0: Michelle Constant on SAFM. We're going into our Sunday morning science story and we have a great story for you. It's completely fascinating actually. The idea of how artificial light might be effective in fighting malaria. Now of course ma- malaria remains a terrible, terrible uh, trial for particularly on the African continent. We've got uh, the world's largest disease burden, 94 percent of all cases of malaria take place in africa 96 percent of deaths occur across the continent as well and many many of those deaths are for children aged five or even younger on the line we've got dr bernard kutsia dr kutsia thank you so much for
1: joining us good morning and uh yeah thanks for having me and hello to everyone listening
0: So, Dr. Kutsia, I know that you work in science, but are you not amazed when you hear a young woman like uh, our previous guest doing what she does? Does it not inspire you completely?
1: Absolutely. I was just going to say, what an inspiring uh, young woman. It was lovely to get into that. Yeah,
0: It's really uh, amazing to get uh, that kind of energy on a Sunday morning, is it
1: not? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Dr. Kutsia, this is an interesting story because it's about potentially looking, I suppose, at uh, how we can look at cities and use uh, unnatural or artificial light to fight malaria. How does this work?
1: So, um, what, I mean, quite simply what we've shown in the lab is that um, mosquitoes under artificial lights show a, a sustained photopic suppression of feeding propensity. And so what, simply what that means is the kinds of household lights we're using suppresses the feeding and biting behavior. And if that's the case, this can be operationalized, um, I think, at scale to help fight um, the transfer of malaria. Right, So it's another it's another arrow in the quiver, as it were.
0: So it was interesting. I read the article which you had written, which was in the Conversation website. And one of the things you mentioned was how light is Light or the lack of light is a fundamental cue, and I'm quoting you as saying it's a fundamental cue in nature, and I know here on the show we've tried to understand why birds sing first thing in the morning when the light comes up, um, when there are animals and uh, insects which are night feeders, and what does that mean then? For example, when you go into a city where there is that false light in a city which continues throughout the night, surely that should then mean yeah. that we have less mosquitoes and the like.
1: Yeah. So the you know the, the broader issue is that over the over the past four billion years of Earth's evolution, all species have been subjected to these day night cycles and they're very irregular, right? Um, and with artificial light, we we fundamentally disrupting them. Um, yeah. And human humans and human physiology is also showing changes under artificial lights. Um, and so it's it's really a, a emerging change driver, and there's a lot of attention given to this in, in Europe and, and North America especially, but less so in Africa. And I think a lot of our work is trying to understand what the implications of introducing artificial lights are across the African environment, and especially so in this case for, for mosquitoes. Because especially in rural areas, many of these areas are coming onto the grid and they're rolling out artificial lights. And so we want to make sure that we're not... Um, compromising human well-being by by doing so
0: okay so what are you going how are you going to do this
1: <laughs> okay so the, the a lot of the the background is, is science work and so we have a couple of projects running to to just to understand the nitty-gritty of, of how this works is a different spectrum, and different intensities um, and which species uh, and then the the second sort of big component of the work is trying to understand what it looks like on the ground right and so yeah. what sort of lights are people using in their homes and how do we measure it and what does this mean for disease transfer I then mean, you can try and link we can try and link the two together to try and understand okay to what extent can the correct lights um, reduce uh, the disease burden because of course remember that light is only one part of what's called the attraction cascade so mosquitoes use a whole range of cues to try and find potential hosts humans in this case Mm. Um, and there's a potential, there's a whole range of, of barriers that have been put in place to try and prevent this. So bed nets is an, is an example, as is uh, residual spraying. And so in this, this uh, cacophony of approaches, we're just trying to understand, okay, to what extent uh, do the lights really matter? And we think it's important because anopheles, which is the main group that carries um, mm-hmm. malaria, is a, is a night feeder. It's nocturnal. Oh. And so this might have a, a real fundamental part of, a, of the puzzle.
0: So are you suggesting that um, what we should be doing in areas where, where malaria and the Anopheles uh, mosquito is, is keep lights on throughout the night?
1: Yeah, so, so that's, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because, of course, just about, the, you know, you can think about the comfort hours, and this will disrupt your sleep patterns, but, but light also influences your physiology, and and that work, you know, I'm not a I'm not a medical doctor, but yeah. but that work is really exploding as well, and so I don't think we what we want to do is try and use it at the times sort of before bedtime, yeah. uh, because there is this sustained suppression that's really important, right? So it's it's not just when the lights are on, it's uh, it's two three hours after. They get zapped by by these artificial lights, and so in that way, it doesn't disrupt the the normal human processes. Um, and then when the lights are off, you tr- you you revert to to regular uh, uh, bed nets, for instance. Yeah. So it's only just a component and a part of that. And how that that slots into households really is you know up to the household. But but certainly there is room for I think using this as a as an additional tool, given that it's it's rolling out anyway. You know, if people are are using electricity and using. Uh, these grids, let's just use it in the, in the most optimal way.
0: Yeah. You do mention in your article um, potentially using um, LED lights, light-emitting diodes. Tell us how that would work.
1: Well, uh, LEDs are, are um, in the scheme of things, quite a new technology. Um, they've only been around for a couple of, of decades, really. So um, they're energy-efficient and they in a lot of use, but they produce light, especially in the blue spectrum. And this is uh, the the most biologically significant, especially for mosquitoes and for us, and so something like an incandescent light is the, is the older lights. They they have this sort of softer, warm glow, um, but they're more in the infrared, and so mosquitoes don't respond as strongly we think to to that. Um, the LEDs then um, are getting used anyway because they're cheaper and more energy efficient. So we really want to understand uh, what's what's the role for for this biting suppression, and it's quite simple because it's just a it's just a masking response. So it's just sort of a a delayed in the onset of of that feeding behaviors. We
0: look forward to seeing something come out of that. That is a positive shift uh, when it comes to the fight against malaria. Dr. Bernard Kotsia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure looking at the idea that artificial light is effective or could be effective in fighting malaria.